Thanks for checking out Lincoln Way Christian Church's podcast. And don't forget to also check out www.lincolnway.org for more information about Lincoln Way Christian Church. Now let's get right to it and listen to Pastor Jeff as he brings today's message. Over the last few weeks, we've been looking at life in the suburbs and how um, life in the suburbs does some things to our souls. There are certain things that happen in our hearts that, um, because of the context in which we live, that, co- that comes upon us. And we've looked at uh, uh, these mazes. Uh, I want to be in control of my life. We've looked at I am what I do and what I own. I want my neighbor's life. Um, my life should be easier than it is. I need to make a difference with my life. And last week, we looked at what will this relationship do for me. So this week, we're going to look at the last one. I don't believe that there's only seven things that happen to life in suburbs and the things that come upon us, but rather there are a myriad of things. But these, these uh, different mazes is what we've looked at. And so today, I want to look at this maze, which is I need to get more done in less time. I mean, that is a maze, I think, that all of us face. And, and as I c- come to this passage of Scripture and as I come to this whole concept of, of, um, of wanting to do more in less time, I confess that I am um, really bad at this. I mean, I'm, I really do uh, try to run too much, too hard, and too fast. And so I come here as a um, product of the suburbs and a person who struggles with this whole idea of slowing down. And uh, so uh, we'll start from there. Um, the whole idea of productivity drives the American suburbs. It's how we, can we get more done in less time. So we have multitasking. We have all kinds of gadgets. You remember how computers were supposed to come into our lives and make life simpler, make it easier. There would be less paperwork, all that kind of thing. And it really hasn't, has it? I mean, it just helps us to do other things faster, but it really just makes us have more things to do. Um, last weekend was the first weekend of Springs, and I don't know if you went to one of the um, the um, big box stores um, or one of the, like the Lowe's, uh, the Allsup's Nursery or something like that. I happened to go to one of those, and I tell you, it was nuts there. It was like all of a sudden everyone realized, oh, it's spring, and, and all of them came out. I mean, it was just like it got crowded and went really wacky, and, and I'm thinking, oh, no, it started because we only have five months to get her done, don't we? I mean, we got five months to get her done, and we got to get her done now. I mean, that's just the way it is. And, and, and just, you know, that whole idea of speed. And, and so, so we live in this whole rat race idea. And um, uh, we get up earlier. We, we have a full day of a commute, work, errands, chauffeuring around, all that stuff. And then we try to sleep and then get up again. And this whole idea of being busy has really become part of our culture. When we lived on the East Coast, um, there was a guy named Mike Wagner. He was from, uh, from Michigan, and he had gotten the bug about busyness. And I, he asked me one day, how was I doing? I gave him the typical Midwestern answer, which is what? Fine, right? It's the right answer. And he said, well, were you busy? I said, well, yeah, I guess so. Because busy is the right answer. And, and I hadn't heard that until recently here in the Midwest. We asked somebody how they're doing or how their week was. Busy is starting to become the right answer living here in the suburbs. Weekends are about what you did. What'd you do this weekend? What'd you get done? What um, task was completed? It's about doing and it's about busyness and about driving hard and fast. You know, I watch even in my kids' life get up at 6 30, run off to school go to practice, go train, go to bed at 11 o'clock, get up again at 6.30. 
you know, just fast, busy, busy, busy. And so what are some of the causes? What are some of the causes that, that come into your life and in my life that make it um, um, the suburbs such a, a powerful force for this whole busyness thing? Well, one thing is unlimited opportunities. There's so many opportunities living in the suburbs. We're not very far from the city. If you like to go to the city, you can go out into the country. If you want to go out into the country, um, you can go down to Wilmington if you want to. I mean, it's, it's that kind of a thing. I mean, you can go, go anywhere. There's just so many opportunities. Whenever we lived in small-town America, they had three sports for, that you could choose from. You could choose basketball and baseball, and maybe there was only two sports. I mean, it really was. There was only two. Really, you, your team couldn't afford to have a football team. You know, school couldn't, little school, 13 kids graduating from high school. They couldn't have a football team. But now there's so many options, aren't there? Kids playing lacrosse. You know, I mean, that, that, I mean that's a whole different level, isn't it, to have that opportunity. It, hockey, year-round, I mean, that kind of thing. Just so many opportunities. Unchecked narcissism. There, there's an, a narcissism about us. You know, it's all about us. There's a selfishness that comes along with it. Um, an unyielding refusal to be left behind. We feel that we must win the rat race. But the problem with winning the rat race is that you still up, end up being what? A rat, right? And, and one guy told me this week, and, and I'm just going to sort of quote, it says, and, and the rat race doesn't give a rat's you-know-what for your soul and for your family. It really doesn't. And he's true. It doesn't give a rat's you-know-what for you. And there's an unrelenting pressure to survive. We want to survive. Whatever that means to us, whatever that means survival means, and so we get on the, on the rat race and we run and run and run. And all this busyness leads to an unreflected life. As the spiritual sages of the past taught us, the unreflected life, the unexamined life is not worth living. So you ask us, well, what do I throw off? What do, what do I disembark on? Where, where, what do I do with this? Well, I think we need to go deeper than just sort of throwing something off. We need to go back to the, to the Bible and look at what the, the old sages like Moses said to us. What God said to Moses. And we look at the Ten Commandments. We look at the fourth one in particular where it says, Remember the Sabbath day and keep it holy. And that, and that somehow by doing that, by, by putting that holy day, that Sabbath, that rest in our lives, that somehow by doing that, our lives will be more whole and busyness will be pushed aside a little bit. See, we have a, an illusion about time. We think that we can control time. We really do. We think that, that as the clock ticks that we have some kind of control over it, but we don't because we, I mean, we have these goofy phrases. Make time. How? Find time. Where? Waste time. How? Squander time. Use time. Spend time. And we think that we can somehow control time. So what's the pathway home? What's the pathway home for you and I? How do we get home? Slowing down by taking a day off. And again, I come in at this as a person who is lousy at this. I'm coming as a person who confesses this as sin in my life. Because I am not good at this. Matter of fact, 
next week, next Monday, God is going to force me to slow down. A bunch of masked guys are going to come. They're going to knock me out, and they're going to slit my throat open. It's called surgery, okay? And and they're going to slow me down, and I'm going to be slowed down for about a month. You know, it's going to force me to slow down. I will get rest. I will sleep well at least for six hours, you know, (laughs) guaranteed, At least I hope so, because I don't want to wake up in the middle. (laughs) That would be ugly. You know, and and, 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 and there's such a a drive for us to be busy, to get so much done. And and, and, and yet, slowing down will help us. Even if you're a person who's driven by productivity, it's been proven that your productivity, my productivity, will go up if we take a day off. The United States government, the armed forces, decided to do a test. And what they did is they drove their soldiers, and this, this group of soldiers, who had different levels of ability, and they drove them, drove them as hard as they could for over seven days. They recognized that on the seventh day, that their productivity went down markedly. But what was interesting is that none of the soldiers realized that their productivity went down. They all thought that they were producing at maximum level, and yet their productivity dropped. Isn't that interesting? And those of us who are driven by productivity, that we want to produce well, that actually taking a day off will help you and I produce better and more. See, it's obvious that when we work day in, day out, weeks, months, years on end, that we are going to get burned out emotionally. We're going to get burned out spiritually. And the thing is, is that too many times our day off doesn't look like a day off. Because what does it start off with? Well, I got the chores to do. I've got lawn to mow. I've got, you know, kids to drive to here. I've got the, you know, the floor to clean. I've got, and I've got all this stuff going on in my life. And so you come back to work and you think, your boss asks you, why are you so exhausted? Well, it's because the weekend, right? The weekend will wear you out. Just wear you out. So, how do we do this? How do we go about it? Why go about it? Let's look at the scripture here from Exodus chapter 20. God didn't intend us to live this way, and so let's see what he has to say to us. Let's look at Exodus chapter 20, verse 8 through 11. Let's read it together out loud, and uh, maybe it'll sink in a little deeper. Who knows? We'll try. Okay. Remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you nor your son or daughter, nor your manservant or maidservant, nor your animals, nor the alien within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the seventh day and made it holy. God takes his whole idea of rest so seriously. He puts it right in the middle of love the Lord your God, basically. You know, don't have any other gods before me. And then 
thou shalt not kill or murder, you know, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not commit adultery. He puts it right in there. It's just as important. Matter of fact, he spends more time on the Sabbath than any other. He spends 94 words on the whole idea of Sabbath. He takes it as a very, very, very important thing. And there was an old preacher that once said that he never takes a day off because the devil doesn't take a day off. Now, you know what Jesus did? In the three years that he was doing his ministry, guess what? He took 10 vacations or 10 retreats. He took every Sabbath. Every Sabbath. Isn't that amazing? Isn't that amazing? And so I guess we have to ask ourselves, who do we want to be more like? The devil or Jesus? Which way do you want to go with it? I think we want to go with Jesus. So let's look at how Jesus looked at the Sabbath. Jesus tells us the Sabbath in Mark chapter 2, this. The Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. God gave us the Sabbath for us. He gave it for you and I to get some benefit from it. Now, I've talked about the productivity end. That's a worldly reason. I want us to give us some spiritual reasons why you and I need a Sabbath in our lives. Some reasons why, why, why you and I can get benefit from it to refresh our soul. Because the suburbs will crush the spiritual life out of us if we allow it to. And so I want us to look at a few things. Let's look at, first of all, first benefit is rest. Rest. The word Sabbath itself is taken from the Hebrew word sabbat, which means rest. To take the rest. Remember the rest and keep it holy. That's how it would be translated accurately. Remember the the rest and keep it holy. Um, our Sabbath should be a day that we set aside to rest, to slow it down, to get up late, to, to um, maybe eat less, prepare less. A day in which we can, we can just rest in God, to move a little slower. Look what Exodus 20 says. It says, verse 11, For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. He stopped his creating on the seventh day. Now, why? Did, did God need to take a nap? I don't think so. God didn't need to take a nap. But God could look back on his creation, and he could say, wow, and celebrate what he made. Would it be good for you and I to reflect on our week and to be able to look back on our week and be able to say, hey, this is what I was able to accomplish. This is what I was able to do. This is what I failed to get done. This is what I failed to do. And say, boy, okay, now I can rest. Now I can rest. Just as God rested on the seventh day. This leads us into our, um, well, before I get there, when you go to McDonald's, what are you trying to do at McDonald's? Besides having family meal together in the van. Yeah, you're trying to get in there and get out. I mean, you're trying to do it fast. You're trying to get it in out, right? I mean, what, what are we doing? And, and whenever you go to McDonald's, it's not about there. It's not about the atmosphere. You know, it's not about the balls and the slides and all that. Unless you're Maggie's age here. She likes the slides still. I mean, you, 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 I mean what, what, you, you want to get in out. Now, if you go to the, the canoe club, all right, you spend 100 bucks for the meal. Imagine if it was about time. That soon as your meal was, you ate that last bit of whatever you were eating, you shoved it in, and the waiter came over, grabbed your plates, threw them off to the sides, gave you your coat, and said, thank you for coming, get out the door. Now, wouldn't you be a little ticked off at the 
waiter if they did that? Yeah, because you want to sort of linger, sort of want to rest in it. And I think that that's what the, the Sabbath is for, is partly is resting in that week, is looking back on that week and reflecting on it, and that moves us into our next thing, is reflection. Reflection is the second benefit. See, the unreflected life or the unexamined life of the old sages used to say is not worth living. Because whenever you're going at Mach 2, you cannot reflect on your life. The Sabbath is not just about a day of inactivity. It's about a day of looking at the past, looking at where you've been. How are you doing on your goals? Reflecting upon your priorities. It's a chance to think about last week. What was good? What was bad? What was not so good? What, was, what should we avoid? What should we do better? Leah Iacocca um, credits his success as a businessman. You might remember him. He used to be the vice president of Ford during the Mustang years. And then he was the CEO of uh, Chrysler before it became Chrysler Dahmer. And, and his success, he used to say this, is that he would work long hours during the week, but he always took the weekend off to be with his family. And he credits his success for that and going to church and spending time in reflection. The psalmist David used to say this. He was a king. He was a leader of a nation. He used to say, be still and know that I am God. It's in that reflection of being able to keep the main thing the main thing in our lives. That leads us to the third. The third thing is that rest, reflection, and the last is renewal. To be renewed in our spirit and our soul. Since about the 4th century, Christians have celebrated the Sabbath on Sunday. Now, this came to us, um, was sort of forced on the Roman Empire by um, the Emperor Constantine. And he said that you would do it. But the early church did it. If you look at Acts chapter 20, it said, On the first day of the week, they met together for the breaking of bread, for the celebrating of the communion. It was a time in which the, the church came together to celebrate. Our Sabbath should be a chance for us to renew our spirits, a chance for you and I to, to renew the, our souls. And so we come together in worship on Sundays. And on Sunday morning, we come and we sing some songs, we pray, we share some life together. We experience life in a different way on Sunday morning. You know, 1% of your life is spent here if you come here every week. 1%. Less than 1%, 168 hours. And today, because I know you're going to get out early today, it's going to be less than that, you know. Don't get all excited. Okay, but, but it's going to be, you know, 1%. And yet that 1% can be a time of renewal for you, a time of, 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 of getting your soul back together. See, there's an old coal miner in West Virginia. I, I come from a pretty much a coal mining area, very influenced where in Pittsburgh where we, we lived. And so there's this old story about a coal miner who, who used to, this is back in the olden days, when they used to have mules that would go down into the coal mines and bring out the coal. This is, I mean, this is before even me, you know. And, and it was way back there. And they would bring out the coal. And the coal miner uh, was, was doing his thing, but on Sundays, he would never have work his mules. He would never work them. Never work his donkeys, never work his mules. And so a guy from the city came in, why don't you work your animals on Sunday? He says, uh, do they need a Sabbath? And the old, old miner said, yeah. I don't do it for me, I do it for them. Because they spend all their time during the week in the darkness. But on Sunday, they come out into the light. 
So you and I need to come to and get the light again. That's one of the reasons we come together is so that we can get the light shined on our lives, the light of Jesus Christ, and get some hope back in. When you and I are living in a maze, the maze of, of this, how much can we get done in how much little time? What happens to our soul is that we end up living an unreflected, unrested, and unrenewed life. And you and I, I mean, this is a hard, this to me is hard to do. Isn't that terrible? That taking rest is hard to do. And yet, I know it's good for my soul. And so I'm going to try to do it. Matter of fact, I'm going to do it for 30 days about. <laughs> with the, I'm going to take rest. And it's hard to do. But you and I need it for our souls. See, God gave you the Sabbath. He didn't mean it to be a day of oppression where you can't do anything and all that kind of thing. Not a time for silly rules and regulations. He gave the Sabbath to help us, to help us find rest, to be renewed, to be restored, to be refocused, and to be more productive and to center on Him. See, it's for your good that He gave the Sabbath and for His glory. And so I want to encourage you to take a rest, to take rest. One of the reasons that we come to Jesus Christ is so that we can find rest for our souls. I love this passage out of Matthew chapter 11. It's a great passage. And this is words Jesus says. He says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. For so many of us, we're wore out. We are weary and burdened. What Jesus tells and invites you and for me to do is to hook up with him, to be yoked to him, to hook up with him, and allow him to carry the weight. Yeah, you're going to still have to pull some. Yep, you're still going to have to do some. But guess what? He wants you to find rest for your souls. For more information about our church, children's ministry programs, and student ministry programs, check out www.lincolnway.org.